been talking about in the MCU about how Endgame marks the end of the Infinity Saga and the end of the journey to all these characters we've grown to love throughout the past 11 years. But you know what else is ending? This is a response. What does the fox say? <laughs> Stop! <laughs> um, but you know what else is ending? The X-Men Fox universe when Dark, when Dark Phoenix releases in theaters this Friday. Yeah, the Dark Universe, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, go, keep going. Great, this is a great way to start this memoriam. But yeah, since we don't fucking know when new, when the new mutants will be released, um, this week we're gonna pour one out and like give our own little memoriam for the twenty year old Fox X Men universe. It's gone through a lot of ups and downs, and has really been this first sort of model for a superhero universe, and it's been so very publicly. But I think all of us can definitively say that a handful of these movies and so in general like the universe has had some minimal presence on our childhood lives in some capacity this will also be us sort of revisiting our episode where we talk about the fox properties in the face of the impending merger which was around like june august july like summer 2018 essentially but now that merger has happened it went into effect um just a few months ago in the spring We've seen some of its immediate effects, and speculation has started on what Fox characters fighting to integrate, X-Men or not, within the immediate future of the MCU. So today, we are going to just sort of, yeah, remember, think, and just give a little love to the Fox X-Men universe. I don't want to remember. <laughs> it's the North remembers. Alright, so joining me is Chris. What does the fox say? Seriously, like I know there was a whole song about it, but I don't really remember what they. Like, oh, I. How they concluded. I just got the joke. Good grief! Why did you think I was okay? Uh, yeah, that's our question of the day. What does the fox say? Um, mm -hmm. Also joining us is Sabrina. Hello. I don't have anything fun to add. Just your fun self. <laughs> So to start off this memoriam, uh, sort of remembrance, um, we're just going to go around and just give just some initial general thoughts about like this, the X-Men Fox franchise in a whole, like what are some of our memories attached to it, our favorite movies or moments, less than stellar moments, which there have been plenty. That's the metaphorical passing around the bottle, just giving your own sort of thoughts essentially in what this franchise has been throughout the past 20 years. It certainly hasn't felt like 20 years, I guess. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it, mm. all right, let me rephrase that. Um, first of all, we should acknowledge Brian Singer is a terrible person. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good. Needs yes. to be said. We should, yeah. we should certainly address that first. I'll be irresponsible because he has had a hand in around half of these movies like whether it be directing or co-writing yeah. producing mm -hmm. has creepily been standing there at premieres i don't know um but yes brian singer uh, is an unfortunate presence on these films uh, i would not really it's not a cohesive bunch it's a very strange uh, mishmash of you know because it's not even X Men. You got you know technically the Ben Affleck Daredevil is kind of thrown in there, and then you have the Fantastic Four films, uh, whether it be um you know the two 
uh, Tim Story films and then uh, fan forced dick, whatever the hell that's called. So whenever I think of the Fox Marvel quote unquote universe, I just always think of mismanagement and, you know, just kind of chickens running around without their heads. That being said, there are still standout films amongst them. I tend to now think of them as, like, the exception <laughs> rather than the norm. I mean, that first X-Men film was, like, okay back in the day. I I wasn't really in tune enough with the fandom to realize, oh, oh they're, make, they're making everyone wear black leather. They're, like, taking the comic book away from the yada yada yada. Like, that stuff I didn't really care about. But, you know, I generally enjoy, I think X2 is an excellent film. I think The Last Stand is one of my biggest disappointments because um, I just remember watching that trailer and being like, yo, this is going to be like, this is this is going to be it, yo. Uh, and then not only did that movie suck, but Brett Ratner is also a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to all the shitty men in Hollywood. <laughs> Shout and out to then... the shitty men in the X-Men Fox universe. I mean, yeah, but I mean Hollywood and then by extension the world, so, you know. um, Then, you know, I I missed out on that first Wolverine movie, and then First Class was just kind of like when timeline stuff just started to make, like, started to make no sense, so then whether it be, like, executives or producers or writers and directors stopped caring, uh, it just all went into like a weird swirl of timeline nonsense and then it it became pretty clear they were trying to kind of like compete with the MCU in some ways you know that's up for debate so it's you know you mentioned how Game of Thrones you know went out as a whimper and I'm feeling the same way here because when you're watching these trailers and commercials for Dark Phoenix they're they're billing it as like they're billing it as like oh th- this is the last one uh this is the the legacy you know the conclusion of the legacy or something like that and the funny part of that is that 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 was not planned <laughs> they were not planning on this to be the last film um it's it that's just kind of like you know corporate consolidation and politics you know all that fox disney merger nonsense happening that um, is kind of, you know, and now Simon Kinberg and I guess Lauren Schuler Donner are getting kicked to the curb unceremoniously. So this is just kind of like a, all right, we got this last thing we got to put out. Oh, also we got, I guess we got new mutants, but we, no one knows what's happening with that. Um, so it's, 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 everything's just, it's, it's strange, you know, like, I feel like no one's talking about Dark Phoenix and, uh, the fact that it's coming the month after Endgame uh, has been super mega successful. Uh, it's just making the whole <laughs> Fox Marvel universe to seem like an afterthought. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, Izzy Sabrina, if you have any feelings on how those films, if, if its legacy has uh, been felt in other superhero fiction or just Hollywood in general. So that's my piece. I... I don't know about its legacy being felt, mostly because I feel like with when it comes to the X-Men Fox franchise, it doesn't feel like it's really uh, one whole piece, or at least for me. 
Um, because the franchise has been rebooted and redone, we're kind of at a place now where, to me personally, it feels so mm, so split. Like each chunk happened at a different point and it doesn't feel connected at all. Like for me, Fantastic Four, the ones with Jessica Alba and Chris Evans feel so different, um, obviously, to Fanforstic, but not in a way that really reminds me of a legacy. But I would say that I make that statement because I don't have that kind of connection to the X-Men Fox franchise as I do to the MCU. Even though it's kind of weird because I should in a way because of the fact that X-Men was probably one of the first franchises that I really got into because as a kid I grew up watching the Famke Jansen versions with um, playing with her playing Jean Grey and I am the biggest fan of that entire cast and I love Halle Berry as Storm and they all made such a massive impression on me as a kid but for some reason the reboots felt like almost like a fresh start uh, to the point where you could kind of erase the previous films which um, I guess is exactly what a reboot is supposed to do but for <laughs> me I really wasn't taking I wasn't really taking like the previous um, the previous films to have meant anything more than childhood nostalgia. And I sort of see these films as being so much more, um, so much more present and important to get right in a way. Yeah. It definitely feels like they're in a time capsule. Cause like the first X-Men was made in, I want to say 2000, might be 1999. Um, but I almost sort of saw it as like X-Men as the first, it was one of like the first really, big superhero franchises in this century I think and I think that still gives it some importance because like by X-Men Apocalypse I was pretty much like out of it in general like there hasn't been any movies since we recorded the last uh record like that Fox episode um and like I guess in contrast like the Hawkeye episode where like Endgame came out during that time like there is stuff that we can like look back on like for Fox there's they really haven't moved anything. Like, I didn't even think Dark Phoenix was going to come out. But a lot, but, like, there are, like, some Saw movies. Like, if you, like, look at all the X-Men movies and, like, the Fox Marvel movies, like, there are some solid choices. Like, fun fa- I don't know if I've actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but um, X-Men First Class is actually what got me into, like, film criticism and just like more movies in general because I was so excited just to see like this newer reboot of this like really cool superhero team and I remember going to the theater in like 2011 and watching first class and thinking oh my god that was so cool like all these actors were super talented and just like really just like really surprised by how much fun I had watching X-Men first class and that's sort of what got me into like I guess the movie industry and so I had guessed, like, that's my own personal tie to it and how, why I still felt connected to, like, that reboot universe over all these years because, like, it sort of launched, like, I guess my career and all this. But they have, like, this universe has had, like, some ups and downs very publicly, especially with, like, the shit bags like Brett Ratner and Brian Singer. <laughs> and it's very much, in some ways, it does almost feel like oh, you're on the right path, and then you mess it up, like what DC has done several times. But I think 
it is a history of mismanagement, but one that I don't want to say might slightly be missed because no one will miss mismanagement in general. <laughs> but I don't know. I think just it feels like a relic that is going away. You know, speaking of kickstarting careers, you know, Kevin Feige got his start. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, she, she he was under the tut- the tutelage of um I don't know if I I pronounce so much right. Lauren Schuler Donner. If you recognize that last name, that's because her husband is Richard Donner, who directed the first two Superman movies. But Lauren Schuler Donner has been a producer on you know a number of films, but most significantly the X Men films. Uh, and I, I guess Deadpool is also included in that. And, um, you know, she made Kevin Feige an associate producer on that first X-Men film, apparently because he's such a comic book nerd. Uh, he's got all this got all this knowledge in his brain. And apparently he impressed uh, Avi Arad. We have talked about him multiple times on the show. Uh, so much so that he became his second command in Marvel Studios, and we all know who's in charge now and who isn't in Marvel Studios, so... Uh, that, that's that's kind of like... This is basically Kevin Feige's own origin story, in a way. Yeah. Uh, but you have to remember, like, yeah, yeah, they, they, like, made this in 1999. It released in 2000, like, probably the summer, I think? I mean, double-check that. Yeah. But regardless, that was after, um... Yeah, July 14th, 2000. You know, before that, you had, like, Batman and Robin from Joel Schumacher in 97. And that kind of, like, turned off people from superhero movies. Uh, you were getting close there with with Blade from, uh, you know, not, not Mar- Marvel proper. I think that was a New Line Cinema joint. And then you had, you know, Spawn, <laughs> which I guess is like, yo, look how comic book movies can be. Like, dark and edgy, but X-Men is like, okay, yes, we're gonna take away the yellow spandex and whatnot, but hey, this is some comic book-ass comic book movie shit right here. So, it, it, I, 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 you know, I consider that first movie to kind of be the beginning of an era. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, And, you know, like, like, that X-Men... For that first X Men film, like I don't, I'm not sure if it holds up. Like I don't think it's that great of a movie, but it walked so Batman Begins can run in a way. Would you not say? Uh, or or maybe that gave way to like the Spider Man movies from Sony because the first one came in 2002. You know, like that that thing was in development hell for the longest time, and um, you know I haven't done the due diligence on this, but. I would not be surprised if the success with the first X-Men film uh, led to Spider-Man actually being made. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's like it showed like that superheroes can be like cool and like gritty and edgy with like their black leather gear. But like it showed that superhero movies like it was a it was a departure from like those like campy Batman and Robin films because they were so hated. Um, and I think like people appreciate like Brian I think people appreciated Brian Singer's take on it as a director. So like before he turned out to be a shitty person, like he is great. Before people found out he was a shitty person. Yeah. Because he was think the thing that's like the nineties with Apt Pupil, like that was before X Men yeah. one, so Yeah. But man. yeah, yeah. 
was, before yeah. people found out like he was a shitty person like he is credited with most of the success and i think it definitely doesn't hold up like i remember seeing x2 like i remember seeing x2 and thinking like oh like this is like kind of overhyped but like I still think it's a great movie. I definitely need to watch it. Again, <laughs> I watched I was... it like a f- like several months ago, and I still liked it. But X2, like, that's just is me. that the one? Um, is that the striker? One... Right. Oh, that guy. <laughs> where okay, so the one where they where Bobby freezes the hallway and makes that like big wall of yes. ice. That one, awesome. Yeah, loved that one. That's the that's same the one, one with the girl like, with the he... knuckles, right? Baba knuckles. She was cracking her knuckles. She was. She was like another. Oh, type the of... lady Deathstrike. Yeah, yeah. Long fingernails. <laughs> There's that part where um, Striker's men are like attacking the the X Mansion, and this this got so close to rated R rating because well, like Logan was just like just slashing, just murdering these dudes like in the mansion, like defending the children. It was just such this like freaking intense scene. It's I barely anything matches to that except for like literally logan i would say yeah <laughs> yeah like i i think i remember what I, I watched x2 like when i was pretty young so i definitely need to watch it again but like i thought i, I remember it was still i mean like thought it was still better than like the last stand in x-men but like that wasn't a high bar yeah the, the, the the, here's a, here's a, the last thing i'll say about x2 but um, it's a very prime, it's, it's a prime example of how to successfully converge multiple storylines because it's, it's a big ensemble cast and, you know, probably the biggest flaw that X2 has is that some, you know, characters get more attention than other ones. Um, but the way everything converges in Alkali Lake and, you would have things happening in one storyline that would inadvertently affect the rest of the story. So, like, there is this one scene where Jean Grey is, like, wandering, and a brainwashed Cyclops comes up and, like, attacks her. And she reflects the blast, but it, like, it causes this big, um... The tree, reaction. right? It causes this reaction that, like, that's, like, um, causing the... It, just, it causes, like, a basically a ticking bomb or like the dam is going to burst and you know throughout the the rest of the the sequence um you see other people like being affected by it you see like cracks start to form in the walls and you see like um you know water starts to drip on uh william striker's eyeglasses and just just like the whole cause and effect and everything happening in one location it's almost like you're like watching a play and like it's like a giant stage that's like cut in half and you can like see where everyone is at the same time. It's just uh, it's so good. Um, David Hayter, who voiced Solid Snake on uh, Metal Gear Solid, wrote the screenplay. So I credit him for a shitty fine <laughs> singer just saying on the record. But anyway, that's my X2 piece if you want to move on. Actually, nice segment because the next segment is sort of us just touching very briefly there's a lot on the Fox Marvel films, like Fantastic Four is here. I didn't watch these, but Daredevil and Electra are also here. Like, so just us really touching briefly on these movies, like just if they added like any value or just like any memories you've had with it, just <sighs> really talking about them and whatnot. Why the sigh? 
I okay, yeah, there's a lot of crap here. Um Yeah, there's a lot of crap. We're probably gonna skip over most of the crap. But like, I would are we gonna go in order? That would make sense. Okay. We did we that would, that would make sense, although like we yeah. did start off with like X two. I mean, X Men was okay. There was the freaking little Statue of Liberty, and then Halle Berry says, "Do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning?" Same thing that happens to everyone else, right. and then you find out that Joss Whedon wrote that line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's a good cast. Yeah, like it definitely feels like very two thousands. Like when I look uh, back at clips, like I mean, like, it, it still feels. Like it looks two thousands. Like oh yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, it definitely looks two thousands. But to be honest, I haven't seen most of these films in so long. The only one that I remember, well, we'll get there. It's fine. But yeah, they. I feel like they definitely. I don't know if they aged well. I feel like they. Why wouldn't they? I mean, they still use like the same costume and set design from that movie. Like still, so right. But in terms I think of like, looks context, exactly the same. Exactly. As it should. I feel like it shouldn't change. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this. My two favorite parts of that movie. Um, eh, maybe three. Number one, the shot of the cl- like the close-up of the claws coming out of Logan's skin. Yeah. It's fucking gross. So gross. Uh, number two, uh, when uh, he retracts his claw, he like takes... He- puts his claws back in except for the middle one because he's flipping off scott (laughs) i like that too yeah number three um when professor x is introducing everyone to logan with like all their code names and logan just he just says so what do they call you wheels (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's the pause that just gets me every single time it's like, like he like just thought of it. <laughs> that those are like my only opinion. There was also the part where Toad, who is played by Ray Park, aka Darth Maul, eats a bird. Oh um, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of gross things. Like like the, the the Senator Kelly turning into water. It's just, there's a lot of gross stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like it plays the spectacle of the 2000s in some way. I guess. Uh yeah, I I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what makes that two thousands though like maybe fashion of sir but like attitude like uh you know what I don't uh, yeah I can... you you might have a point you might be right yeah I think just like like definitely like the like the fashion I guess like the clothes like how things looked like I remember it being like very like it's because it's not like just to go with like like the all black leather outfits like the sort of gritty look but still like comedic tone it looks i always remember it like very gray and like slightly darker like the sky doesn't look blue it looks like like a, a like a faded blue or some sound like or some against some senses like something's off essentially like just hinting at like it's like hinting at like i guess like something like not like us or whatever like or what i yeah just something it's sort of that and i really i remember really liking like Anna Paquin's like robe and like following her throughout the movie because I think it was like a good I think she served as like a good character to follow the story around and I like how they made her the focus of X-Men and then they pretty much just sure, yeah. dropped that by the time like the last scene and it turned to more like an ensemble piece but yeah 
I liked focusing in on her, like her journey. I think I don't have much to add in terms of X Men. So if we could transition to X Two, um, I enjoyed this movie. I want to say more than I than the first one, um, just because of all of those iconic scenes that I previously mentioned. So if I'm if I remember correctly, this is also the same movie where they have to break out Magneto, right? Yo, they, with the, okay. where they where they sneak the mystique um you know seduces about? the guard in like a ba- in like a public bathroom yeah drugs him and like sticks a needle in his butt that like puts iron in his bloodstream mm-hmm. and then eric like rips it out of his bloodstream and just uses it to get them. out it's, it's a great sequence so it's really good, good. <laughs> so good and i th- okay so there's that scene but there are also like other action scenes in it that i feel like were kind of long but they were just non-stop interesting and they didn't nightcrawler opening and they didn't even opening they didn't even (laughs) need to be they didn't even need to be like massive explosions because i don't think the budget was then where it is now you know but what they've done with cinematography and the editing that just makes it so encapsulating it's like almost it's almost as if every single time i watch this movie i'm watching it for the first time so I truly, truly Sorry. love it. And I looked up, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now at the reviews and I'm seeing an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 68% on Metacritic. And I feel like that holds pretty true. I think it's a pretty, I think it stands um, pretty firmly in what it does. And um, I enjoyed almost every second of it. Great job, David Hayter. <laughs> yeah. Not the other guy. <laughs> David Hayter. <laughs> Snake! Anyway. Yeah. I've never seen Daredevil. Have you guys seen Daredevil? Me neither. Uh, there's uh, there, there's a part where um, Elektra, played by Jennifer Gardner, is training, and they play um, Evanescence. Yeah. Uh, that's that the only clip I've seen. Right. Wake me up and... In... Yeah, that's, that's still the first time I heard that song. So that is um, it's a little piece of that's history. That's very 2000 yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, if you want to talk 2000s, let's talk about the fucking scene where Matt Murdock and um, and Electra have a standoff at a basketball court. That's so bad. Just just watch the YouTube video. I'm not going to describe it, but like it's it's the second worst best basketball Marvel scene. The first, no, not not Marvel, uh, comic book movie scene. The first being the one from Catwoman, which is a uh, terrible scene that also involves basketball um colin farrell had like a really heavy like i think i see just used his natural accents for for bullseye and he had like the freaking bullseye on his forehead it looked stupid um the late michael clark duncan uh was a pretty good kingpin Ooh, interesting Yeah. yeah That's all I remember about that movie, but also Evanescence, so... <laughs> I feel like that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen Elektra. I've seen seconds of the trailer, and that's it. Okay, this is my <laughs> time to shine. I <laughs> oh, love no. Elektra. It is, is there Evanescence dude, in there? <laughs> not that I can remember, but listen, just to be completely honest, it's not the greatest movie. It's really not, you know? It's got a 34% on Metacritic and an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not very good, but 
it was essentially, it came out in 05. So yeah, it's like my eight-year-old movie. I have watched that film so many times. So many. It's, I don't even know anymore. I, anytime, like when we were younger and we had family members, like cousins who were coming over, I would always make them watch it, even though it's like rated R or rated PG-13. And we were all like, I don't know, eight or nine at the time. And they're all like, why are we watching this? It's so gory. I love the use of colors in the film. So of course, Electra is played by Jennifer Garner wearing a lot of red, her standard costume. I really, really love. I think it looks really flattering on her. And she's got those like, fork-like knives i don't really know what the name for them it really is but oh i know what you're talking about but yeah. they she works really well with them it's kind of fast and the way that they cut back and forth i think that they might have had a stunt double using those for using them for the close-up shots but the way that they cut back and forth between um her and the knife action is just really great i love that Cyblades, S-A-I, is that how you pronounce it? S-A-I, I think, right? Cyblades. Yeah, it's the same weapon Raphael has in, in Teenage Mutant yes. Turtles. Yes. Which sounds right. That is correct. Um, What else, what else? For me, this was like one of the first um female-led action movies I'd seen in a really long time, if ever, in my childhood. Um, And so it was incredibly important to me for me to see somebody as strong as Jennifer Garner, who at the time I was obsessed with and in love with, mostly because of this movie, and just seeing her dominate in all the action scenes. There's this really cool scene towards the end um, where they're in a maze at her childhood home. And there is this one scene where she throws one of the knives like through a bunch of bushes, like using, um, using the technique that Stick has taught her and like kills one of the members of the hand. And it's just like, dude, Dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> Which is why, even though I love um, Netflix's Daredevil, I do have a couple of qualms with Elektra in terms of, like, whether it's her uh, costume, just because I'm so close to this Jennifer Garner version, even though, like, I'm totally okay with it. It's just the eight-year-old inside of me who's like, that's not what Elektra looks like. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah. I, oh, man, I, this movie is so bad, but I love it so much, and I don't know what else to say other than that yeah it's like i haven't watched lecture either but like see it's like those childhood ties that like and just ties like we have like just, just like our own personal histories like this just, that just shows like this fox's like own marvel like this these portions of like marvel for like 20 years that's i'm 21 it's like that's most of my life and so right. yeah i think like yeah i thought that was really cool and not gonna lie didn't expect that, but still think it's really cool of, like, how you would just drive your, like, I drive my cousin to see Alvin and the Chipmunks. You drive him to a much cooler movie to see. Right. <laughs> You're valid. Yes. Maybe yeah. not with Alvin the Chipmunks, but Electra. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't watched Fantastic Four either. Okay. Wait, what? You've never okay, seen here's Fantastic the deal. Here's Four? the deal. Here's the deal. It's not very good. But. Everything I'm going to say about Fantastic Four 2005, <laughs> you can literally copy and paste that for what I'm going to say for Rise of the Silver Surfer, because I feel the exact same way about both movies. You know how people complain about how there's too much comedy in MCU films? Yes. Let me tell you about Tim's story. 
a man with a last name so mighty that he became a storyteller, I presume. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, T Tim's story has has mostly made like like comedies with uh, like usually usually with um, black actors. Um, you know, he's done like like Ride Along and um, the first Barbershop movie. Actually, now that I remember, uh, I believe his next movie is the new Shaft movie that is uh, releasing this Friday in theaters. Also I'm with finding... Dark Phoenix. <laughs> right, right. But like Tim Story, I, I I I get the impression is a comedy director. Like that that new Shaft movie looks funny. It's like that. Okay, that's not what I expected from Shaft, but okay, mm -hmm. sure. Right. Um, but Fantastic Four is a straight comedy. It's like the way, and it, it makes sense in a sense because they are a family, like they are Marvel's first family. So when you look back at, say, ugh, like a nostalgia critic review, mm -hmm. and he's like complaining, why aren't they fighting crime? It's like, okay, it's a family story. Like this is a family unit. That is what makes Fantastic Four special. Granted, <laughs> execution-wise, um, it's it it feels very slapsticky. You know, in, like you have like Chris Evans as the Human Torch, mm -hmm. like do the thing where like like the thing is sleeping on a couch and like he puts whipped cream on his hand and then he like tickles his nose so like he puts the whipped cream on his face. Like there's that's a scene in that movie. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like. <laughs> It's a real scene they shot. There was like a scene where like uh, Chris Evans just like arbitrarily gives all four of them names, and this is like just really stupid TV interview. Uh, it and then you know Doctor Doom was just underwhelming. Um, they they defeated him in this anticlimactic battle that feels like it was more like the second act break than the finale of the movie, and. I don't know, pure sequel set that there was like sequel set up and then the sequel was just the same thing except Doug Jones, who's a cool performer, was the Silver Surfer and um I don't know, Doctor Doom was there again and Galactus was a cloud or something like that. I literally don't remember that movie. Um in fact I saw a I saw an image of uh, there, apparently there was a scene in Rise of the Silver Surfer where the Human Torch, um, with the Silver Surfer's powers, uh, gets the powers of the other Fantastic Four, so he's, like, loaded, and I saw that image, and I was like, wait, I literally don't remember that at all, are you sure that was in the movie? Oh, gosh. It was, but, like, right. I didn't remember that, like, like, that should be something that sticks out to my mind, like, the, like, someone getting all their no, um, it didn't work out. I the, the only thing I remember is that um, uh, Reed Richards and uh, Susan Storm are trying to get married, and their marriage keeps getting interrupted. And then I think Sue Storm almost dies, but the Silver Surfer saves her. Blah 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 blah. blah. What a tongue twister! Silver Surfer saves her. Uh, Silver Surfer Surf, Surf, saves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh, and you didn't nail that at all. <laughs> yeah, I messed up my own tongue twister. I'm a poser. Uh, Shaft coming out this Friday. Also, Samuel Jackson's back. Promo. Yeah. We're not sponsored by Shaft. Nor Dark Phoenix, but we're doing Shut this anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, Sabrina, do you have anything on the Fantastic Four movies? I've seen <laughs> do you have anything on them? Do you have got any dirt? What do you got? I have nostalgia. Uh, surprise, surprise. I really loved them in the moment, but then 
they used to replay Silver Surfer on FX nonstop. <laughs> and I just, I tried watching it again from the beginning, probably like, maybe like four years ago now. And I couldn't. I just, I was like, what, what were they serving us? I, I don't like this. Um, but I did love, much with the next iteration of Fantastic Four, I did really like the cast. I feel like they all work together. I just really felt like they were misused, which I, seems to be a trend. Yeah. No evanescence. No evanescence. <laughs> I guess that is X-Men The Last Stand. I remember being very underwhel- very overwhelmed and underwhelmed at the same time. You just murdered everyone in that movie. Everyone's yeah. dead. Everyone's sad. Fraser was there. That's right. Fraser was the beast. <laughs> they like... Yeah, because I tell them a bunch of characters that were only just in that movie. Just so like, yeah, look at all these X Men we have. But okay, let, let's do the okay, so so they they offed uh, they offed Scott Summers in like the first act. They got rid of Professor X in the second act, and then Jean Grey dies at the end. Yeah, like I don't think they were gonna plan to. So I think they were gonna. I think they intended to spin off into Wolverine, and then that bombed. So I don't know repeat. what their plans were. It, yeah, it, seem, it 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 didn't seem very well planned. <laughs> well, actually, there's um there's a report that um I guess we'll talk about. Later. Oh, well, we can get that to later. But I yeah. I always appreciate how. Do you know what the last line, the last spoken line of X Men: The Last Stand is? Oh, God, what is what it? Is it? Uh, so they're they're all they're all back in the in the mansion, and there's one alternate cut where Beast quits his job in the government because fuck the government. He he becomes a teacher in the X Mansion. That was not the final version. The final version was that, uh, in the midst of after all the Alcatraz and Cure stuff, uh, and after um. Beast like bodies a bunch of people on Alcatraz. The president sees it so fit to appoint um Hank McCoy as the ambassador to the United Nations. Oh, damn! And yeah. then <laughs> so Logan is looking at he's like looking at news footage of that, and then he says, "Way to go, furball." And walks out, and the camera zooms out. Then it goes to the park, where you see, like, Eric in the park, and he's, like, trying to... He moves the metal chess piece. Credits roll. So the last line was, way to go for a ball. <laughs> Yikes. And I always think about that. No, I think about no, that's this funny. No. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> this movie sucks. I, I... Yeah. It's... it's I understand what they're trying to do. They were trying to expite the whole thing. It's like, okay, this is... Okay, Roger Ebert said that there is too much focus on too many characters right. in X2. So it just, it's just going to be... Uh, also, Halle Berry wants more screen time. So this is Wolverine and Storm's last stand. <laughs> um, Colossus has one line. <laughs> um, yeah. Ellen Page as... Is uh, in this Shana. movie... Yes, mm-hmm. and in, literally in each X two, X three, and Days of Future Past, he has one line each, uh, and then in Deadpool, he's like a new character, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, like Ellen Page is uh, Kitty Pride, and you know he has the thing with Bob. She has the thing with Bobby Drake that goes nowhere. That's, wait, Frog, 
well, Wait, yeah, really? Like, yeah. Yeah, that, that went nowhere. Um, you know, Wait, Beast I'm... had no arc. Um, Why am I confusing Rogue and... Wasn't Rogue with Bobby Drake too? Because there's some a point? Lo- there's a love, love triangle. triangle. Oh, it's right. Oh, and Rogue is like, block I, can- those. I can't touch the man that I love, so I'm gonna change Give him who away. I am with this cure. Oh, that um, was so stupid. Because Ellen Page stole my boy. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, I try to block love triangles from my memory most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bad pyros there, and like. Yeah, he, the, the, there is a part when, like, he and Iceman are just, like, they're shooting fire and ice at each other in, like, the generic, like, two people shooting beams at each other's shot, and then yeah. the fire is about to overtake Bobby Drake, but then he turns to ice, and then he headbutts him, and then, I don't know, I don't know if he died or not, because they never follow up on that. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of, like, squandering and um, lost potential and... The action wasn't even that good. Like, it, there was no... There was not as much oomph with Last Stand as there was with X2. Like, it, fe- it felt more... Um, contrived, the choreography. It felt a little more showy, and... Um, there wasn't a lot of grit to it, you know? Which is why I think people were, like, really digging first class when, like, you had Magneto freaking knifing people's hands and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Last Stand, bad movie. Bad. Last and yeah. bad. <laughs> Last and bad. Before I unleash into first class, is there anything? Well, is there anything we wanted to say? Else, want to say about the Last Stand or Wolverine before I move into? Mm-hmm. So here's Wolverine. the thing: I have never watched the Wolverine. I have never watched Origins in full. Me I have neither. never watched it from beginning to end. Never. I have always caught it in the middle. While it is playing on cable TV. I've always <laughs> caught it at the same scene where he's in the middle of the road in the desert. Mm. I have I have also never seen it from the beginning. But yeah. I do know that I don't really like it that much. And that I do love um, uh, Liev Schreiber as Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Sure. It's Victor. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, so- I... Yeah, the the thing with that movie is that because of my weird situation, I don't know where certain scenes are in the movie. Right. I have seen Wade Wilson chop up bullets with his swords. Uh, like, there's one part where he chops a bullet in half, and then the two halves of the bullet hits, each hit a different person, which is stupid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Charlie from Lost is there, and he, like, turns on a light bulb with his hands. And I don't know. I I caught the op- okay. I know what happens in the beginning of the movie. There's a part where like little James Howlett has like the bone claws come out of him for the first time, and I guess he stabs someone. And then it does the thing where he's kneeling down on the floor. It's like there's a fucking thunderstorm, and he yells to the sky with his claws like I'm a monster and he yells no while like the camera is like slowly flying up (laughs) pointing down at him (laughs) and I believe they do this twice in the movie the second time when like he finds his girl dead as an adult (laughs) so it has that shot is what I remember um also that Asian sniper dude murdered that poor old couple on the farm who was harboring him um Again, that's all I remember about that movie. Yeah. I feel like the fact that we've not, like, either have not seen or not seen it fully 
this speaks a lot about what this movie ended up being. <laughs> young Cyclops was there. Young Professor X was there. Um, and the attempt that Deadpool was made. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like that—that that was Weapon X at the end. Like they weren't saying, "Oh, that—that's our official." Okay, all right. They were saying he's like a Deadpool of different powers, but yeah, you know, they—they they sewed his lips because William Stryker was annoyed by his quips, which is a very Deadpool thing. That's kind of funny, but that's not what you do for his first on-screen appearance. That, which is why, which what, which is what made Deadpool two that scene so much funnier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He he's like he's Baraka from Mortal Kombat, but with laser eyes. Right. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Um, and bad movie. I I know people think that um the CGI in particular is just really bad. Um, I can't speak to that because I have not paid attention to it. Yeah. First class though. First class CGI. Let um, me tell you about. Wait, is that was that a segue? Yeah. Oh yeah, first class. Let me tell you, I remember i don't i guess i don't remember how i got interested in first class but i remember being really excited to see it and like keeping up with it because they're like oh like i'm because it was like oh they're rebooting like the x-men but like it's younger and i thought like oh more relatable because i am not in my 30s (laughs) (laughs) i am a teenager and first class has teenagers so (laughs) i thought it was like a really cool like I thought it'd be like a really cool like origin story and I was really excited for what first class would do like how the movie would be in general and I could say that I think it's still like I think it's still like one of my favorite movies like definitely part of it is nostalgia but I just remember like getting super I remember that as a movie that really as I mentioned like did start off like my sort of like my film like interest in the industry and like this legacy I've made for myself and I was, <laughs> okay I guess <laughs> like legacy. I don't know I don't know like that's bow down before <laughs> that's big and grand but like yeah I loved like I loved all the acting like I had never heard of like any of those actors before that movie except like Hugh Jackman in his one cameo and like Lucas still and I was like they're all amazing and I was like so blown away as a kid and I just remember really having a like still having like a really fun time with it and really liking it and getting super into it and also it got me into Matthew Bond and that also and like and like how good of a director he was and so that was something I also really liked about it but I think it was a really I it's definitely like I think looking if I watch it like now I don't know how much I'd still love it, but I think it definitely was a good step towards like making their new like Fox's new X Men universe like what they wanted essentially. Like I thought it was like, a good step in the right direction. I thought the movie was okay. Uh, I remember the internet was not happy about the pre production. Like during pre production, they were not fond of a lot of the casting decisions and the deci- like the the story decisions i mean there there is a there is a story called first class in the x-men comics i don't know much about it but people are like oh this is not this is nothing like first class this is gonna suck uh and then it turns out people like the movie <laughs> but i remember the movie just kind of came out like there wasn't like a giant marketing push it's just kind of like okay here's the it felt very disconnected because matthew vaughn almost 
made The Last Stand, and, you know, he probably hated how it turned out, and he also is aware that Brett Ratner is a tool. Um, so it was fresh, but a lot of it was because of just how low-key it was, and I appreciated that at the time. I will say I have not rewatched the movie since then. My gripe is that I feel that the ending is just really awkward and silly. They are having an argument, and they are, like, playing a tennis match with missiles. <laughs> it's like, like they, are, they, are, they are the Cuban Missile Crisis, and I think that was just laughable. Um, but, you know, like, uh, the, 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 like, McAvoy and Fassbender, um, great gay love story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's, I, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a good soft reboot, you know, it, it basically said, fuck you to The Last Stand and, um, what do you call it? Uh, Origins, because they just did not acknowledge the continuity of those two movies at all. Mm-hmm. Probably that's that's absolutely a Matthew Vaughn decision. Yeah, they also said like super in the past too, like, and then and then layer corrected itself. So, yeah. <clears throat> Do they correct themselves though? That's a good mm-hmm. question, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Movies are right. Uh, go go fuck yourself as a funny cameo from Hugh Jackman. That is a great cameo. It's really funny. I liked, um... I guess Lucas Till was okay. I liked, uh... Who, who was the guy who screamed and he flied? Uh, no idea. Tells no one to remember when, who, okay, who was it again? <laughs> there was, like, the dude who, like, the Banshee! 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember Banshee. Yeah. Uh, there was Angel... Uh, angel like, is not, not 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 but not like uh not that angel but like oh yeah yeah, yeah angel yeah uh there was the red teleporting dude and uh darwin darwin who uh you know rest in peace because yeah. he his character you know the person of color got killed early yeah i remember that was a big like <laughs> oh that doesn't look good does it <laughs> not at all You're and bi- then uh, january jones as the most boring emma frost ever and there's the part where Rose Byrne goes undercover by stripping down to her underwear and infiltrating the, the club. <laughs> um, sure. It's, it's weird. I keep forgetting Kevin Bacon was the bad guy. It's true. Kevin Bacon was in that movie. Oh, He got a coin in his head. Yeah. His revenge. Boy. Not, uh, Sabrina, anything on first class? <laughs> Not really. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like you said all that needed to be said, but also that, I mean, all I can say is that I liked it. Mm. And Jennifer Lawrence, right? Jennifer Lawrence is them. Yeah, that was like before. That was, I think that was. I was a little irritated the same with time that. As Winter's Bone. Like, she wasn't famous yet, really. Are you certain? Like, because I remember like being was, irritated was, when I watched this movie and I saw her again. It this was, the was year, before. It was the year before Hunger Games. Yes, Walk- Hunger Games is where she took off. Okay, okay. Winter's Bone and First Class is like, oh, you know what? That Jennifer Lawrence might be going somewhere. I don't know. She just speaks too softly for me. I don't know. <laughs> Unless she's volunteering as tribute, then she's loud. Yeah. Nice, nice segue. 
Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> uh, the... um, have any of you seen The Wolverine? I saw it in a drive-in movie theater. Oh. That sounds like fun. I couldn't hear half the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it being like... <laughs> I remember being like, well, I assume it was better than Origins Wolverine, because that wasn't bad. Like, that's what uh, I... Okay, so Logan's... He, 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 okay, Logan's, like, sleeping outside, and he's having a wet dream about Jean Grey, and then he goes to Japan, because there's a dude from Japan who's like, hey, thank you for saving my life back in World War Two, And then it turns out the dude just wants to take his life away, and then he kind of, he kind of takes it away with the poison lady and then he starts running around to save this other lady in japan and then he jumps on a train and he like lunges a lot and then uh he gets shot by a bunch of arrows at the end and then he fights the fucking silver samurai and they keep going down all these floors and you have no idea how long this how tall this building is and then he gets his adamantium claws cut off then he yells and then his bones his bone claws grow back and then he says something something bub and then he stabs the old man and then kills him and that's it. <laughs> that's the Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was okay until this the ending your... with the giant CGI tower that they just kept falling down. Yeah. <laughs> your two to five minutes summary of the Wolverine brought to you by Christian Candio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I read somewhere that James Mangold who went on to make Logan I believe he wanted to have. I I do not. I think the CGI heavy final battle was a studio mandate, and I can from from the way he made Logan, I can tell that he probably resented that a lot because Logan was a very different movie. Yeah, (laughs) probably more so his vision because that was. James Mangold's taken over for Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> can can you imagine what that fucking movie would have been? Oh my god! Yeah, God, I hated, I hated that. that no, yeah, I hated Noah so much. That would have been so it's Black Swan, but it's he's, he's got claws, I don't know. darkness, and brooding. the wrestler, and also I don't know. It's a biblical allegory. Darren Aronofsky is like The Fountain is the worst fucking movie ever. I, I don't. I'm movie. not really a fan of him. Like he did Black Swan, right? And that was fine. Yeah. But yeah, for, um, Mother was okay. Yeah, yeah for a dream. Like is a well-made movie, even though I'd never watch it again. I've never seen Noah. But oh, Noah. Yeah, I'm also Catholic, so like I have like some reservations, <laughs> and like this like previous like notions. It's like I was like, dude, this movie is shit. Like I was, like I was like angry. Like I wanted to leave. Like, ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so long. Um, but yeah, talk about mismanagement. Just looking at the Wolverine and its history. Yeah, because Aaron was hired to direct the film, and then the project was delayed following the departure, and then the earthquake in Japan, and then they had to rewrite the script. Um, and that's how, cause like yeah, cause Mangle didn't write Logan. It was Bomb- Mark Bombach and Scott Frank. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it's a well-shot movie. It's just the CGI just looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, but man, man, does Hugh Jackman look huge jacked. Huge jacked man. man. Huge jacked man. Like, compare him to 2000-era X-Men. Like, that that dude's a... That dude's beast. a scrawny little <laughs> little kid. Yeah, he's a he's like a beast now. Like yeah, damn. But yeah, um, 
Days of Future Past. I remember yes, my Days little, of Future Past. Yeah. I remember um, my like little self being like psyched out of my mind, be like, "Oh my god, these universes colliding together!" And I thought mm-hmm. McAvoy like asked his pants off. He's like I was like, "Oh, good." I don't so want good. your future. He was so good. I thought, I thought that was like one of the strongest performances, like on screen at the time. Like my little self, like just watching that film, being like, "This is amazing." I love what they did with the character. But unfortunately, I think Brian Singer wrote that. So, fuck you, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, Matthew Vaughn and I think Jane Goldman still had a, I don't know if it was a story by or a screenwriting credit, but if you saw that recent story, like, Matthew Vaughn was like, yeah, the reason why I didn't do Days of Future Past was because I wanted to do that as the third movie. They wanted to jump into it right away, and I thought they were idiots. I mean, he didn't say that, but he said, um, that's one of the reasons I didn't continue, because they didn't listen to me. No, like, um, I remember, like, reading stuff about, like, Kingsman, who was saying, he was essentially torn between, like, doing Days of Future Past or Kingsman, and he had to, and he picked Kingsman, and he was like, it was a hard decision, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's because the studio wasn't listening to him, so. Hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, I don't, but, yeah, I don't, but, yeah, I don't credit that with Brian Singer, more Simon Kinberg, and probably Matthew Vaughn to that point. But I think it's one of the stronger films in this franchise, Days of Future Past. I like the future parts better than the past parts. <laughs> that is my hot take. Hot I think it's, take. A, it's a cool, like, I, I want it to stay longer in the future. It's like, who's, oh, what, what, what's, what's up with Bishop? Like, yeah. how do they find these dudes? And, like, look at their costumes. Like, okay, they're still black and leather, but they're kind of look cooler. <laughs> Um, and, you know, that, that was a compelling opening for the movie. And when you get back, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they, like, okay, these new prequel movies, it's, like, every single decade, okay? Yeah. So each movie is going to take place ten years apart. And it's like, why? Like, because then you get into, like, just, you know, not just tropes, but just, like, cliches. It's like, okay, okay, it's an, okay, we're going to open... It's gonna be a shot of a lava lamp, and that's how you know you're in the seventies. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> like, I think they fun. wanted a way to like. Come dis- on. <laughs> I think they wanted a way to like distinguish themselves and like make them like distinct or whatever, because like it then will lead. It's like I think they saw themselves like leading to like the two thousands, but that will never happen now. <laughs> <laughs> And then they they accidentally catch up to the present day. Well, actually, <laughs> like, wait, what are wait, actually, if I actually like looking at it, so like if so, Days of Future Past in the seventies, and then Apocalypse is the eighties, right? So that puts Dark Things in the nineties. So technically, yes, it is. They yeah. did it. But how did they? How can you jump ten years to a movie? I don't. They, they look the same. I don't. Know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's don't know. something I'll complain about in Apocalypse. But um, I think like uh, it's a good excuse for. It's a good excuse for, like, I guess, just, like, plot holes, I think. Because, like, it's been ten years, like, it's a good excuse for plot holes. Yeah, so, like, hey, remember how optimistic the ending of First Class was? Like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna start up the, 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 man, the Academy, and, like, we got Banshee, and, you know, all these dudes that we know and love. And then ten years later, wait a minute, everyone's dead, the school's closed, <laughs> It's like what yeah. the fuck, okay. and they had this like this just this ridiculous plot device 
um, like this medication that makes Beast into not Beast and makes uh, Charles into someone who can walk. Um, just so you can have James McAvoy move around the set and so you can have uh, Nicholas Holt still be handsome. <laughs> like, I and, I thought that was it. I thought the James McAvoy point was interesting because, like, I hate it. I think, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know about, like, the comic book history of the X-Men, but I just felt like it, it, I remember thinking, like, oh, this is, like, unique and different. Like, I don't think it's ever really been explored before. And I felt like, because in the comics, I think, and in throughout, like, his sort of history, like, one of the good things I think Days Future Path and Logan did this really well is that they made Charles seem so much more like Cuban because he seems like this like sort of, I personally see him as like this very wise old like almost godlike figure to like the X Men because like of like because of like his knowledge. And oh no, you're right. I'm I'm, I'm just complaining about the mechanics of like why they like made him walk. Like the ableism, and, like, oh, and, like, but it also yeah. turns off his his psychic powers <laughs> conveniently and. Yeah, oh yeah, there's definitely an ableist angle to that. Like, fuck that. Um, so it, it's and and then the ending is just again people standing around awkwardly while the main characters have out have it out, and it just so happens that the president of the United States is one of the people awkwardly watching everything. Right. Um, no missiles this time. No missiles flying back and forth, but they did pick up a stadium, which is I guess pretty cool. How did how did that how did Eric put metal in the Sentinels, and that made him able to, like, mind-control them. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Don't answer that question. Space science. Peter Dinklage was there. Yeah, Peter Dinklage was there. Um, William Stryker was there, but way too young. <laughs> um, I think Davis for Future Pass is a little overrated. I also think First Class is overrated, so, like, I'm talking out my ass. <sighs> Um, I I I would like to watch the Rogue cut when they put more Rogue in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Rogue. She's one of my favorite characters, even from the probably from the animated series time. And so it's really sad that she doesn't get as much of a role in these live actions. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they called it the Rogue cut is fascinating to me. <laughs> I don't want to, I'm not going to say anything about fan four stick because I did not watch it except for the last scene. Well, Sabrina unleash the beast. Oh man. I only saw this movie once when it came out. And once again, I was so let down by the way that they misused the cast. So you had Miles Teller, uh, Jamie bell. Uh, so Miles Teller as professor Reed, Jamie Bell as the thing, Kate Mara as Susan, and then um, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm. And, you know, at first it was like, oh, that's so cool that like Johnny Storm's going to be black. And then Kate, Kate Mara is playing the adopted sister and whatever, whatever. And this is cool. This is cool and great and race blind casting, I guess. And I'm really excited because these were all these are all like young actors who actually have talent, like no shade to like the Ansel Elgort's and of the world, you know, but at the time that they were cast, um, they were just ready to just blossom in this role. And I couldn't wait for them to completely take the story in a new direction. Also, no shade to Ansel Elgort. I love him and I love Baby Driver. I'm just saying, you know, like they were kind of forcing him on us and I wasn't really a fan at the time. Anywho, um, 
So when it came to this film, I was excited in the beginning. I was really about the hype. I really wanted to see the way everything played out. But I was pissed off from probably the first five minutes. I don't remember <laughs> the opening or anything like that. I was just hoping that at some point it would just turn around. You know, Johnny Storm is a cool guy and he really just wants to do what he wants to do. But his dad is a researcher and is all like, oh, you need to get a real job. And, you know, everything was very tropey and played up and the the sort of attraction between Reed and Sue felt so, so uncomfortable. Like it was not believable at all. And I felt uncomfortable instead of like kind of envious how I was with, um, I forget his name and Jessica Alba in the past. Um, it didn't feel genuine. Um, I know that there had been articles that had come out saying that the director made them all very upset and made them very uncomfortable. And he like went into, he like marched back to his trailer after having one of the final meetings with the producers and just cut the rest of the film himself and was just, and it just looked like it. It looked like the whole thing was thrown together and that we were trying to be convinced of something that wasn't really convincing. I feel like the threat of the antagonist, whomever he was, was, it was not Dr. Doom. threatening. <laughs> exactly. Like not even threatening enough. Like, Dr. Doom is supposed to be terrifying. And in the, how is it that this animated character, like the character from the actual animated series, was 12 times more terrifying than the live action? And you had the budget to make him scary. You have the opportunity to write a story that made him feel justified in everything that he did. But instead, he just seemed a little predatory and lame. And like, every, it just sucked because the entire cast was fantastic. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. But the that were they putting them it? together was just just garbage, and I feel so bad because I know that like um, all of the actors talk about it. They're like, "Ah, so what about Fantastic Four? <laughs> and they all just try and sweep it under the rug, you know. And you move along. And even when Michael B. Jordan was doing press for Black Panther, um, I remember watching this one video where someone was like, "Oh, so you know, Michael, what about uh, Fantastic Four? How hard was it for you? You know, was it was it difficult for you to handle? And then Michael was like, why? Because it was so bad. <laughs> and so everyone knows where it stands. And it's just such a shame because it, it had the potential to be better than it was. So one note about, um, I haven't seen Fan Forsick, but one note about Josh Trank. Chronicle is the most overrated movie I have ever seen. Really? Is Chronicle I, the one with the young kids and they, they have the superpowers? Dane DeHaan. Yeah, like, Josh oh Trank directed that, and then he went and, and then he got fan forced because of that. And that I thought, doesn't make sense. This is... It's crap. <laughs> That's the Max thing is, Landis, another the, shitbag, wrote Chronicle, by I the way. I saw the trailer for Chronicle, and I was like, oh, that the only good thing about it is the that one, like, car scene where they make the car crash into the, like, off the side of the road. And it then I think like not. one of my friends I saw it and liked like, Chronicle correct. back in the day. Right. We need to do a rewatch. Uh the I, I think Chronicle, uh, you know, like I, I obviously have my problems with Max Landis because he's a shitbag, but um it had a very distinct feel to it, you know, like, hey, what if you got superpowers but just but things just went wrong? And I like that concept a lot. And I think that could have worked for 
a modern Fantastic Four. Maybe it's the wrong property, but I, I'm, I've been reading a lot about how the Fox executives seem to think that it, like the, Josh Chang's version looks too much like Chronicle. It seemed like he was leading a lot into body horror. So, you know, you would have, like, Miles Teller as Reed Richards, and, like, he'll be looking at his arms, and it looks like he's fucking melting. (laughs) And, like, like, these are horrific body transformations, and I think that's a cool concept to go with, and it just seemed like um, something wasn't working. And I don't know who to trust. I don't know if I trust Josh Trank or if I trust Fox executives, because the thing about Josh Trank is that uh, there is gossip that... He, you know, has been going on, he has, like, outbursts, and they were shooting this in uh, Baton Rouge. Um, He had a house in Louisiana during production, and apparently Josh Trank fucked up his house. He, like, just physically, like, destroyed shit in his house. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that was was during the the process of him trying to recut everything, because they told him (laughs) that they didn't like it, and so he went back to his house. And was really upset. Yeah, really remember th- this man was due to make a Star Wars movie, and then at some point, like he lost Star Wars to the Fantastic Four. Thank God for that. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was because of the movie or because of his conduct. I think it was like well, thank God like, for both. Yeah, because yeah. like I know, I think it was like he was a Hollywood Reporter published like an expose on how like horrendous the process of this movie was, and I think mm. that at the very least cost him Star Wars. Kate Morrow's wig <laughs> in reshoots. Very oh, evident. Yeah. It's almost as bad as Henry Cavill's mustache, but <laughs> right. Philip Glass worked on this movie score. What the what? Philip Okay. <laughs> okay. Insane. Absolutely. Is there really a part where um where Ben Grimm's uh older brother is like beating him up and he says it's clobbering time? Yeah. That's awful. That's, that's terrible. I that we should move on. <laughs> I don't even have a joke about that. That's just we should just no. We should just move bad. on. That's just like that's literally that's literally awful. Shimitongas, Deadpool, Deadpool, yeah, best um, movie ever. The second one cheapens the first one, but yes. yeah, still very good. I disagree, but you were entitled to your opinion. <laughs> I love Deadpool because there's a lot of gore. And it's so mature. Ooh, rhymes. Um, yeah, it's just it's just like a more mature take on somebody that I wasn't really familiar with. Like, um, I'm not at all into the comics, so I just know what my brother tells me. And I'm pretty sure Deadpool, for me, I went in almost completely blind and, like, didn't really know anything. I just watched the trailers and all the promotional stuff that they did. And I really was never a fan of Ryan Reynolds until I saw Deadpool. Uh, the thing I'll say is that I'm glad they did not turn Deadpool into a meme. Uh, under the wrong hands, you can make Deadpool an annoying public presence, and I do not think that was the case. Right. I also really loved Ed Skrine as Ajax. Um, ever since that movie, I've had an eternal crush on Ed Skrine. So, Ed, if you're listening, I'm single. If you want to... H-M-U. Uh, to me, H-H-U. it wasn't until he stepped down from Hellboy. <laughs> that was my uh, Ed Scrine moment. It's so sad, though, that he was in Alita. I mean, I didn't see it, but he was in Alita Battle Angel. Um, but I feel like 
Can you really turn down? Sad? Can you really turn down at well because of the um the alt right, Chris? The alt right. Them. I I I I don't want to let the alt right claim Alita. That's that'll be ridiculous. I think because of the because isn't Alita like supposed to? It's she's essentially a whitewashed version of an Asian character. Yeah, you know, I actually don't know. They so. tried to like westernize her to make her more appealing to more audiences, and I think that's dumb. Yeah, like they make like your so. eyes super bigger, and I think it was like because this came out like a month before like Captain Marvel, and like they, they were saying like, oh, look, look at this, like they they put essentially a female like led a female led <sighs> movie, like they put like they put like yeah, they essentially put like themselves behind the female led movie like arbitrarily, right. Exactly. I'll t- I'll, they were I'll like, well, this movie is led nothing. by a white woman. Captain Marvel's led by a white woman, so if we make Alita kind of white-looking, and she is a battle angel, she's a woman who comes from the slums trying to do good things, everyone will like this movie. And then they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, again, I know nothing. There are people who I trust who like that movie, but again, I know nothing about the subtext, subtext and the context, so I will uh, defer to you two. Alright. Um, yeah, I also like Deadpool. I think, like, yeah, like, the second movie does cheapen, I think, how I remember the first Man, one. You keep saying that. You keep saying that. <laughs> yeah, because, like... <laughs> I, I'll go into it in Deadpool too, but I think like, yeah, I think the first movie, like, it did a good job, like, really bring like a great original take, like, on, like, not a well, like, did a good job, I guess, interpreting the sources to justice. And like, I appreciate that. Um, But I think, I think just how the future, I think if it had just been by itself, it would have been a really great, like, movie and like, just proof, like, yeah, we did it. And then they did more, and it just didn't. We'll get to that on Deadpool too. Apocalypse. Um, I will say one thing about more thing about Deadpool. It's surprise. There are some surprisingly serious moments. The part when the lab is on fire and he's he's like naked and fighting Ajax. Like that was a heavy moment. Uh, and then he gets like stabbed with the. It's it's really intense. It's really intense. It was more than I thought I was gonna get. Apocalypse sucked though. So bad. Yeah. Yeah, Oscar Isaac was wasted. Everything they've built will fall. Yeah, exactly. I just, like, yeah, I just didn't and like how. And the costume is so bad, and Alexander's yeah. accent is terrible, and I feel bad because I like Sophie Turner, but I don't think she's that strong of an actor, and what else? Jubilee? Oh my gosh. They Lana, Condor. Lana Condor. Everyone, everyone only knows Lana Condor because of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. But if you were real from the beginning, you would have known that even though they were parading their token Asian character, Asian actor around. They cut her scenes and they only put her in the. Ever. They, they just paraded her as a token for the entire press run, only for the movie to come back and her to have like 45 seconds of screen time and one line of dialogue. Garbage. Garbage. I'm so upset. Because I felt like this was supposed to be more about how all of the students are like teaming up to, you know, go and fight for what they believe in. But instead it just felt like it was about apocalypse and and even then it just wasn't it was weird, like he popped up and went to go collect um Magneto and I was like, Wait, what? 
I understand why you're there, but I don't understand why all why like how you've gathered how you've you've managed to garner all of this support from all of these other people who have I'm gonna make some cool outfits you. for you. I'm gonna Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm really just not the biggest fan and what they did to Oscar Isaac's voice didn't make sense. And Oscar <laughs> Isaac even said like he was like, it was really hard for me to take it seriously because I would walk around and my suit would just be squeaking. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> what is up with these people? <laughs> Everything they built eventually did fall. So I liked the school scenes when it's just like school stuff happening because that's what I wanted this movie to be. Then it all got interrupted because of uh, bad philosophy from rubber Oscar Isaac. And right. Uh, introducing a wife and daughter for Eric just to kill with, like, a single, um, not even, like, fast bow and arrow. Yeah, that didn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> was that the scene where he uses the, he uses the dog tag to kill everyone? Uh, he uses a necklace of some sort. It might have been a dog tag, but yeah, I Yeah, I like, okay, I like the effect of using the necklace, and I love the cinematography in the, in the woods there. But again, like, what a waste of characters. He's really trying to just lay low and you're not giving him any reason to really want to fight. It's a bad movie. They were trying to make it like a John Wick thing where, like, kill his dog. He'll go crazy. Except it's a wife and daughter. Except it's a wife and daughter. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Here, um, and you know how the movie ends? It ends with more awkward standing around while a big thing happens. And everyone's just staring at... A big CGI this, fight scene. I guess, yeah, I guess this time it was uh, Gene going off Phoenix. Which, remember, that happened. <laughs> this isn't, like, Dark Phoenix is not the first time this is going to happen for her, so... Uh, it's, it's, um... It's a bad movie. They they uh, tried to do Quicksilver again, and it wasn't as fun. They killed off Lucas Till unceremoniously. They did a cheap... Alkali Lake callback, and they brought they they like took Hugh Jackman out of a cage and just just let him loose for a while. <laughs> like, what the? F and then he had a moment with Sophie Turner, who is a child. Right. That's disgusting. <laughs> <sighs> Brian Singer sucks. Also, the the post credit scene had nothing to do with anything. They never followed up on. That. I don't even remember what that was. Uh, they they get someone like they they get like Wolverine's blood or something, and it's this SX Corporation. And it's oh. like, oh, yo, Mister Sinister is gonna show, and then they never showed up. So yeah, so, let's so. move on. Speaking of Wolverine, to Logan. I my... hurt myself today. today. My God, so I good. cried like a baby. It was so good. I remember like because also so Logan actually got nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, which it very much it definitely deserved and i think for all that this x-men universe has for all we've covered on just how shitty this x-men universe has been over the years and i mean it's like it's all ups and downs that's one thing that this universe has over the dc the, the dceu and marvel studios like it has what has been nominated for an oscar in writing like yes like the DC, like, yes, the Dark Knight won, like, a posthumous Oscar for Heath Ledger, which it's also deserved. But, like, in modern his in, like, this, in this decade, none of, like, this is, it's really, it was, this is something that they've done before, like, DC and Marvel, which I don't think, it's, which is hard to do. So. A, a lot, a lot of great characterization in this movie. Yeah. Right. It's, 
granted, like, the timeline shit, again, makes no sense, but, you know, it was this very harrowing view of the future. It's, it's very, a very political movie. It's very, it, it, it you know, it, you're watching it and it's like, oh, this feels like, like the, like The Last of Us or like a Western, but it's like, it feels like Children of Men, you know, with, with, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, um, inferences and, like, references to, to um immigration and it feels like this is like full maga country <laughs> like with right. like the kids like yelling outside the, the the limo like at people who are just trying to get into the fucking country to like l- just live a life um everything's automated you got like auto trucks <laughs> and they're not really working really well um it, it's it's a it's a fascinating movie when i first saw it i actually thought it was too slow but upon rewatches i feel i was wrong back then i, I think it's a perfectly I paced agree. movie i had the same takeaway when i first watched it i was like oh that felt a little and then i watched it again and i was like man this movie's so great yeah yeah they do the same thing where like wolverine is with a family and the family dies but um it hit a little more this time yeah, yeah. uh because of just like how much they bonded with each other and it, it was just sad to watch and it like, was a quick bond too like when you think about the yeah. scene that scene itself like wasn't that long but we still were able to get close enough to that family and to feel some type of way when they were killed mm-hmm. and like to also root for the dad even though he and his son i think didn't really have that great of a relationship cool yeah yeah just killed off a black family uh-huh. for character Yay. Oh, okay <laughs> anyway <laughs> well then, i mean it, it it's just a very uh, like oh man uh daphne keen as laura as x23 like oh, where did they find this girl like she like i she should have gotten an oscar nomination i'm not even joking about that like, she, she was just just compelling and um it's you know i think my there's this moment that sticks out to me when they're trying to escape from the desert and they're about to crash through a fence and you're like oh okay i gotta crash through the fence they're gonna escape but no the fence doesn't break and they have to drag the fence with them behind them and that for some reason that like to me visualizes just like how 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 much more grounded this movie feels um, not to mention all the swearing and the blood. Right. Love but the swearing wasn't, like, violence. overdone. It was just... See, when they announced that it was going to be rated R, I was a little bit worried because I didn't know if they were just rating it R just because, you know, to be edgy. I was incredibly skeptical when this movie came out, mostly because I hadn't seen most of Origins Wolverine, um, but what I did see of it, I didn't like, and I was like, oh, my God, yet another movie about this character like we get it and then i saw it and i was like oh actually they used every bit of the r rating to a t nothing i feel like nothing was overdone and they did they did they definitely did like just enough shout out to stephen merchant as caliban he was um, so good performance (laughs) patrick stewart was really good in this movie as like a frail professor as a frail xavier snarky frail um, xavier absolutely uh oh. i need to pee a fantastic deliver fantastically <laughs> delivered line i i honestly th- this movie got me from the teaser poster do you remember that teaser poster the is it his, the single his, like, it's like this walking it's just him no it's 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 his hand with the claws and a little girl like holding on to his hand oh. yeah that was and it just says really cool. Logan, and that was like also the title revelation. Yeah, that was so really already. Cool, yeah. 
minimalist poster and it's like, okay, I know exactly what this movie's going for. You have me. You don't even need to show me the trailer. It's just that poster. I'm in. Yeah. And it 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 caught me. It got me. Like the final movie um was basically what I wanted. Uh, I feel you know, I didn't expect a second Hugh Jackman, but um, I thought that was fine. It's okay, he all right. He's fighting himself. He's his own demon. <laughs> Metaphors, but sir, I'll, that that worked for me. It made for some good action, yeah. and like his his death was brutal. Like he got impaled at a log, uh, and then he then Laura said like Papa or Daddy or whatever she said like. Okay. Man, he says this. That's how this feels, and it's like, wow. It's like almost like a more sincere, not really more sincere, but like a like a different take on the um, Sheriff Hopper and Eleven dynamic from Stranger Things. Interesting. Yeah, I just, I yeah. really, I really liked that father daughter but not in a creepy definitely good mentor strong man but who's sure, definitely yeah, not creepy yeah yeah the, the last of us was also cited uh the road for sure by cormac mccarthy oh, and yeah. the uh i think john hillcock made the movie i forget but um but it, 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 you know it it doesn't hide its influences and it just it it's a good looking like well acted movie it's it's really good right and because of that, I was like, I never want a McAvoy Fassbender movie ever again because <laughs> the, you can't stop this. Right. Um, but I did like how Deadpool two opened with a uh, music box, like the but it it was <laughs> the, the log in which Logan was impaled on. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to open that movie and a great um, way to segue. Yeah, and that's why I, that's why I want to defend Deadpool two. Okay. I will say up front, the fridging is. Bad, 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 and the fact that the writers don't know what fridging is is worse, 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 worse. <laughs> but it's what I wanted from a. It was more what I wanted from Deadpool than I got from the first movie. I felt the first movie because you don't know how this character's gonna do. They have to kind of play it safe a little bit. It felt a little more traditional. The fourth wall breaking felt a little forced and felt a little. Um, it felt like a requirement, but it felt like they were marking off checks on a list. Whereas Deadpool 2, I felt like it was much more reactionary to movies that were coming out at the time. like In the same way the comics are to other comics and just media in general. So you had things like... Like, Wade Wilson is literally ranting about how much of a showstopper Logan was, and he the movie begins by by him saying, What what can I possibly do to top that? And that's that's like that's exactly what I wanted. Like the movie was a response to like what is happening in real life. I just think it went to I think I actually think they played into it like too much. Like of course they're going to comment on like all these superhero movies before. Like that's like the they played it I think the like, it's almost like the studio knows, like, oh, yeah, like, this is all cool now. Like, now Deadpool's been popular. Like, now Deadpool's, like, done so well and it'll be popular. So, like, we're going to cash in on something. I'm going to cash in and, like, do all these things that, like, like, do all these things that honestly felt expected. Like, of course, I'm going to comment on, like, superhero movies and, like, 
it within like recently like that like the logan digs like were obvious like it felt at times like honestly like seeing juggernaut was a surprise but i was still like that like i was i feel like i was still, like surprised by it but like i think about it now and i was like that's all right i think the ending with like cable and deadpool like dying that felt that that felt like it was i guess it was shot and like choreographed and like all that in a sort of like it felt like very cliche even though like it has this has happened like in comics i'm pretty sure like just that like that just sort of like it establishes like this classic relationship but i felt like it was done in like a fairly cliche way and there's just all the end credit scenes with like just deadpool like going back in time essentially wreaking havoc on like <laughs> like shooting Ryan Reynolds making Green Lantern like that's like haha so funny like, shooting like shooting like um the Wade Wilson from like X-Men Origins like of course that's going to happen it felt like it felt like they met expectations too much yes the ending with Wade Wilson dying was trite and they tried to play it off as a joke because he like just won't die but it was just a joke that went over it felt like a family guy joke yeah, yeah. um I, I will say though, this that, that's probably just we had different expectations because I expected more of this from Deadpool one, and I was left disappointed. So obviously we huh. are operating at different levels. This is now very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Huh. The, like the, there were fourth wall breaking things in Deadpool one that I was rolling my eyes at. It's like okay, yeah, that's the obvious joke to do, or like that wasn't even like well thought out. That was just like. That was, like, a first draft joke. Um, whereas I liked how... I, I've always believed that Deadpool is, like, a, a comics character who jumps out of the page, you know? Like, when you when you play Marvel vs. Capcom 3, one of Deadpool's special moves is he picks up the health bar and he beats you with it. Like, that. that is, like, the... I want Deadpool to go too far because, to me, that's not Deadpool if he doesn't. He's supposed to stick out in that way. There still has to be some restraint because, again, there's the concern of him just becoming a meme. Like, you don't want Deadpool to become as annoying as, say, the Minions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's just a lot more visual humor that I appreciated. Um, I can't really think of any... Like, because Deadpool 1's funny, but I can't think of any shots that are funny. I can only think of dialogue moments that were funny. Deadpool two, I... I'm I can't stop thinking about that one shot of the guy running away from Deadpool, like in the foreground, and in the background you see like this like this drug lab, and you see uh Wade just like murdering everyone in this in these like very creative ways with a narration going on. It's all happening in slow motion. And it's just fucking beautiful. Yeah. It's hilarious. The domino it's well sequence is like really well done. I will say that. Yeah, I no, yeah, domino. like Zazie Beats. I, I love her. Also, I will say, <laughs> I will agree with you. Fridging is very, very bad, and the lack of non-fridging also very, very bad. I will say that. I really okay. My one qualm with Deadpool two is that they introduced all of these sidekicks who then just died. <laughs> that made me really upset because I love Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan, I mean. um... Bill, and I was really excited to see him like vomit acid and stuff. That's why I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was so sad. I should have expected because they it. shot. And like the wood chipper, come on, man. 
That's a nice nod to Fargo. I don't even know if it was a nod to Fargo, but probably not. I mean, Terry Crews got hit by a bus. Like it's just that. The reason I found that so funny is because they shot extra footage of them doing stuff <laughs> for the trailers. Yeah. <laughs> and then they all unserm like Lewis Tan gets chopped up by a helicopter. Final thoughts, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You can't really save it because of studio politics, so. Yeah. I think we've highlighted the mismanagement that this has been through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's um okay, let's wrap this up. So uh you can find AP Marvel on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. Follow us on Instagram now. Uh also follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and basically anywhere you where you can listen to podcasts. Uh I'm a compenderizer. Uh, I'll just do your tags, but Izzy's at Deliverlin. Sabrina's at Sabs, Clark, uh, give to our Patreon, follow our Medium, join our Discord. Thanks to Charles Vanilla for the, for the graphics and Steve Baltor for the track Jazz Avengers. We'll see how Dark Phoenix is. I won't be here. I'm going to be in E3, so uh, one Chris Walker, I believe, is going to take over for me. Yeah. So that's it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.